Well, since January, all throughout our ministry here at Grace Point, we have seen 64 individuals make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their new Lord and Savior. We're, we're excited about that. It's all about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And part of the following, uh, if, if you have trusted in Christ this year or previous years, place your faith in Jesus Christ, but have yet to go public with uh, Jesus is your Savior by being baptized. Uh, in a couple weeks, we have our next Sunday Baptism Sunday. So you can go to our event page on our website, find that event page, and you scroll down and you register to get baptized on the 21st. We would love to have uh, you go public and tell everybody, and really, and the world, because we're, we're, we're broadcasting this, that, uh, that Jesus, Jesus is your Savior. And you're not embarrassed to go public with that. So go online and register for that. I don't know if you noticed when you came in, you saw the signs. Maybe you didn't. Uh, it's a PG-13 message, which always makes my daughters uncomfortable, but they're not here. So anyways, uh, it, it's not that I'm going to say, if you're new to Grace Park, not that I'm going to say anything inappropriate. It's just I'm going to deal with issues that are not normally uh, taught um, in church, actually in many churches, but are necessary. It's very necessary to talk about these things. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, but you are a good friend that's here, or you're a good spouse that's here, or, or, or whatever, um, what I'm going to talk about today could be very helpful and beneficial to you. But the targeted audience from the scripture today is directed to those who say that I'm a follower of Jesus. And what I'm going to talk about today applies to every one of us. If your heart is beating and blood is flowing, um, you, you are still a sinner. And, and uh, so this, this applies to you today. Uh, we are finishing up our series called The Vow, series to help those who are married, a series to prepare those who would like to get married someday. And it's also a resource for everyone if you have someone you have influence uh, in in their life or you are a mentor, uh, this is a great resource. And speaking of resources, I have some unique resources for those of you today. Um, from our, our friend Mark Gunger, who goes around the country and does marriage seminars. He was here last, I think, a year and a half ago. Uh, some of these are his book. These are all his books. But... Uh, and so, some of you are saying, my husband hates to read. This is an easy win, fellas, all right? This one is called uh, B-Attitudes, B-Attitudes. Not the B-Attitudes, but it's B-Attitudes. Uh, be nice, be content, be prepared, be clear, be doers. I love the last one, be dead, <laughs> which meaning die to yourself. Selfishness is a leading cause of death in any relationship. So this is a great resource that you can, um, you can go on, online and purchase this. And now with my, my youngest daughter, my last daughter getting married next month, um, I, I've already paid a lot for the wedding that's going to be in Virginia, but I have some gifts that they don't know about. And if you're listening or watching online, Kaylee and Jason act surprised when I give this to you. Um, I have some resources to give to them. First of all, I'm going to give this book, and I'm going to sign it to my daughter, Kaylee, and it's, it's, it's this. It's um, Treat Him Like a Dog. <clears throat> you can laugh. It's okay. All right? You're not going to offend me. 
All right, and if you love dogs, okay, great. Now treat your husband like a dog. And for Jason, I have a book for him. Uh, treat her like a truck. Treat her like a truck. I love my truck, all right? I take care of my truck. More marriages would be better off if the spouse or the husband treated their wife like they do their truck. Anyways, those are good, fun, humorous, but solid principles from God's Word. You can laugh along when you read them. First vow we talked about is the vow of priority. I promise to make God my first priority and my spouse my second. God's my one, my spouse is my two. Then we talked about the vow of pursuit, that I promise to always pursue my spouse. Doesn't matter how long we've been married, I'm going to continue to pursue my spouse. And then last week, the vow of partnership is I promise um, our marriage will be about we and not about me. I hate using this other mic, but I don't like distractions. Uh, today we're going to talk end with the vow of purity. Vow of purity. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We'll get there in just a moment, but I got a question for you as you're looking, as you're turning in your Bible or flipping over on your app. How many of you are married? Can I see your raise of hands? How many of you are married? All right, great, great. No elbowing today, okay, next to you. How many of you are engaged? Any engaged couples? Can you put your hands up? Okay, all right. Okay, great. How many of you uh, would like to get married one day? Raise your hand. Keep it up. Raise your hand. Look around. Keep it up. I'm trying to help you. Keep your hand up. Look around. Look around. All right. How many of you are planning on committing adultery in the future? Can I see your hand? Anybody? Huh. No, no hands. How many of you are planning on uh, having an emotional affair with somebody else other than your spouse? How many of you say, my goal is one day to be addicted to porn? Can I see your hands? See, no one plans on ruining their marriage because of sin. But it happens all the time. Doesn't matter how much you love Jesus, sin goes after all of us, and it will ruin your marriage. And when we sin, we want to hide. We want to conceal it. We want to keep it a secret. So here's for your notes. This is for, for all of us. It is very difficult to build a life of righteousness, meaning live right according to God. It's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. God sees everything. God sees all of our junk. God sees all of our closets. He sees everything in our shadows. It's very difficult to build a life, a marriage, a relationship of righteousness on a foundation of, of sin. That foundation will be sand, and it's just a matter of time before that structure collapses, that relationship collapses. So we all, always have to deal with the sin that Jesus died to pay for. We've got to be serious about it. So here's the vow, here's the promise of purity, is this, is I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. 
Now, before we get to Colossians, we're going to do what we did in all the other uh, parts of the series, is go back to the very beginning, the first instruction given to the first husband and wife. This is from, from God, from Genesis chapter 2. God says this, this is why a man leaves, we talked about that Hebrew word, that word picture, why he leaves his father and mother and is united. We spent two Sundays talking about the two Hebrew pictures of that definition, united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Why? Because they were innocent. There's a beauty and there's a freedom with innocence. Uh, just absolute innocence. They, they, they didn't think about anything. Now, of my four grandchildren, uh, three of them are walking, and almost four. But but the two oldest grandchildren, I don't I don't know. Poor training on my part, Kenny's part. But we go visit our grandkids, and and I have a little grandson and a little granddaughter who, when it's time to go take a bath, they get all stripped down, and then they they streak all over the house. They're just running like woo. You know, and of course, Papa, me, uh, has to has to you know have an opportunity to tease. So then I chase them around the room like I gotta get some. You know, I see some naked butts running around here, and they're like laughing and laughing. Why? Well, I can tell you they do have a sin nature. I can promise you that. But they're innocent. That's one of the that's one of the horrible things happening in our country is we are robbing children of innocence. That is beautiful with so much freedom. So Adam and Eve, living in innocence, nakedness wasn't a big deal at all until they sinned. And after they sinned, here's the reaction, chapter 3 of of Genesis. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I what? Hid. Notice he didn't say, I was afraid because I sinned. Because I sinned. No, was, I'm a, I was afraid because I feel shame. I, I see my nakedness. So I hid. They both hid. That's what happens when we sin and we feel shame, we want to hide. Now, Satan leverages shame to connect what we did to attach it to our identity. And he wants us to forever live with the identity of what we have done. And then with that identity being warped with what we did, he attaches it to a bondage of our past. So we're trying to move forward with life, dragging a weight of guilt and shame from our past and not living the life God has set us free from. So yes, when God... Uh, when we sin, we, we come to come to Christ and ask God to forgive us. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Did you hear that? All of our sins. And he cleans us up, all right, from our unrighteousness. That's our God. That's our Father. But if you don't really believe in the forgiveness of God and the love of God, you're going to be listening to the enemy, leveraging your shame of your past, the weight, the guilt of your past, so that you have identity of just what you have done and all your failures. Yes, God knows when we fail. That's why he died on the cross to cover that sin, to pay for it. And then he wants us to live in righteousness. Shame grows in the dark. Healing only begins in the light. 
Let me say that again. Shame grows in the dark, but healing only begins in the light, in the light. Now, Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, chapter 1 is just loaded with, with so much doctrinal truth about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. And I love the contrast that Paul pours out. I mean, it, the, the theology is just so much there. My favorite book in the Bible is Colossians. Here's what Paul says. This is what, what when we come to Christ, he says, Christ has qualified you to share in the inheritance, all right, in the inheritance. What is that? In the kingdom of light. For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son that he loves. All right, that, that is absolutely powerful. And I forgot to read more verses, all right? There's so much here. Um, and he says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love this contrast. Go ahead and put that screen back up. The, the contrast of he has qualified us. Not we have qualified ourselves. We don't deserve this. That's grace. He has qualified us when we trust in Jesus for the inheritance. And part of that inheritance is being in the kingdom of light. And the contrast is because he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Satan wants us to stay in that dominion of darkness. But if you trust it in Jesus Christ, Jesus has unlocked that prison cell of bondage to our sin, and we have the freedom to open that gate and walk in freedom. Walk from, from darkness to light. Now, when we're in a dark room and we walk into the sunlight or the daylight or a bright light, what happens? It's uncomfortable at first. It's, it's painful to see, and we would rather quickly go back into the darkness. But no, if we just go walk through the uncomfortableness, being adjusted to the light, then it's like, okay, this is way much better. This is so much better. This is so much better, walking in the light. But there's a period of transition of awkwardness going from darkness to light, spiritually we walked away from darkness, and we are to live in the light. Live in the light. Turn a few pages to the left. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, again, to another church at Ephesus, is going to talk, talk to them. Verse 8. He says, for you, those of you who now are followers of Jesus, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. It's one of the ways, reasons why we come to church, why we have Bible study, why we have different small groups, so that we can find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. When you expose something, you bring it to the light. Satan wants us to hide in shame in the darkness 
And Jesus says, no, I have paid for you to be rescued from the dominion of darkness into my kingdom of light. And Paul says, now live as children of the light. Live in such a way, finding out what God wants for you, and live that way. Don't go back into the darkness. And when we are not being pure, when we are tempted with sexual temptations, we are turned and faced, and we walk into darkness. Because all sexual sins are done in the dark, but Jesus is in there as well. He's like, don't live that way. It's, it's fruitless. It brings nothing good, only bad. Live in the light. Why? Because you are children of the light. So to make this vow of, of purity, but I've been married 30 years. You need to keep making this vow. Uh, you're engaged. You've got to make this vow. If you're going to want to get married someday, you're gonna, you need to make this vow uh, that I promise to confide in my spouse and not hide from them. I'm going to confide in them, not hide from them. And when we have these secret sins and we keep it to ourselves, there, there's a distance that grows between a husband and wife. There, there's a wall of separation. There's a wall of awkwardness. There's, there's thoughts in the, uh, the other spouse's mind like, there's something between us, and I don't know what it is. And we can deny it up the wazoo. We can, uh, no, we can deflect and deny and uh, deflect and deny, but there's still something there. Now, Satan wants you to stay in the darkness and we'll put all kinds of fear, like you don't, don't want to expose this. You do not want to bring this to light. You do not want to confide this. And fear keeps us in bondage. Where Jesus is saying, no, I want you to have freedom. Is it going to be a difficult transition from darkness to light? Yes. But with Christ and the power that only Christ can provide you as an individual and you as a couple can help you get over that and to actually begin living in freedom. Some of you have kept secrets from your spouse that uh, of sexual sin that is way, when you were in puberty, when you were a teenager, you're like, I ain't ever sharing that. I'm not ever coming clean with that. And you're, and you're walking right into Satan's trap of bondage. Now, if you take your notes, this is important. Secrecy is the enemy to intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Got all these avoidance, awkwardness, walls of separation. You can have sex, but you won't have intimacy when you have secrets. And your secret, secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. So what, what, is, what, what, what is going to be required of us to get rid of the secrecy so that we can have intimacy? Well, first of all, it can take humility. Freedom always requires humility. To, 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 to take the next steps. You've got to humble yourself. It requires being vulnerable. It requires ownership. When I was out to sea, 
I got to own what I did. Requires repentance. Repentance isn't ownership. Ownership is ownership. Ownership saying, I struggled with this. I've been struggling with this for years. I've been struggling with this sin for decades, way before I even met you. Ownership is ownership. Repentance is stopping, turning all the way around, and walking in the opposite direction. So I'm going to give you some steps today of repentance, of walking in the opposite direction. In that direction is freedom. Is it easy? No way. Is it worth it? Yes. Freedom also requires asking for help. And then choosing the path to rebuild trust. See, trust is the foundation of every relationship, every single relationship. Do I trust this person? Are they trustworthy? So we want to build trust. We also have to rebuild trust that has been lost. It is possible. It's, it, it is challenging, but it is possible. So you have the choice. Do I choose freedom or do I choose bondage? Do I choose to have peace or do I choose fear? Do I choose being transparent or do I choose secrets? A lot of choices. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this. It's talking about to believers. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. Not even a hint of it. Not, a, not even dabbling in it. Not even a hint. Why? Because we're children of the light. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. We need to bring everything into the light. That brings healing. That brings peace. That brings feel, uh, uh, fr- freedom, wholeness, intimacy. See, you and I are masters and I say for myself too, you and I are masters of flirting with stupidity. We all have a master's degree of flirting with stupidity. Let me get, how, how, how close can I get to the flame without being burned? Stupid, right? So he, here's what we think. that We think, well, the line um, is way over here. Okay, the line is way over here, and that is sexual immorality. That is, if I cross that line, that means I'm having sex outside of the biblical mandate and the bounds that is a husband and wife uh, ordained by God sex. So if I have sex with anybody else other than my spouse, that is sexual immorality. So as long as, as, long as I don't cross that line, I'm good. Now, being a youth pastor for so many years, every, about every two years, because you're rotating high school students every four years, but every two years I had a series uh, called Waiting, Dating, and Mating. Always got their attention, and our attendance always grew uh, in, in youth group. And parents would get nervous. I remember uh, one homeschool uh, family, great people, great people, homeschool family, very conservative when I was youth pastor here back in the 90s. They set up a meeting 
because their daughter just came in the youth group when they saw the title of coming, this series, Waiting, uh, Dating, and Mating. So they met with me at office, and they were super nervous, super uncomfortable, and, and they wanted to talk about it. And I realized something, and I just said it about 20 minutes into the conversation. I said, I'm not going to tell them how to have sex. And they both went, oh, good, oh, good. That's what they were thinking. I'm like, I'm going to teach them what the Bible says about it. And the boundaries that God puts there in a loving manner. But all these years with t- working with teenagers, they wanted to know, how far can I go? Right? Because they have a master's degree of flirting with stupidity, too. Why? Because you gave birth to them. Um, all right, they're, they're, they're from your loins, all right? And they're like, if I can just get up here, as long as I don't step over that line, I'm good. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, that's not what God's called us to do. In fact, you've already, when you're, when you're at this line and you haven't crossed over yet, you're already, you've already crossed some other lines of wisdom, of purity. You need to back that train way up. And they're like, what? You know, I just thought if I didn't cross that line. I was like, No. If you blaze through those other lines of warning, of wisdom, of purity, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be an easy step across the line. So, so I'm going to unpack for you, like I did so many years, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, have it on the screen. This is, God gives us different lines, all right? So he says this, it is God's will. Can we stop right there? This is a... This is what I want you to do. This is what God wants us to do. That's what God's will is. It is God's will that you are sanctified. That means set apart, that you're going to live, think, act, do different because you are children of light, all right? You're no longer in darkness spiritually, so I want you to live in the light. Set apart means sanctified. It is God's will that, that you be sanctified. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should act different at work than anybody else that, that doesn't know Jesus. Any everybody in your family that doesn't know Jesus, you should not act just like them. Be set apart. Be children of light. Colon. I love, I love how Paul would write. Gives a statement under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and then he says, now let me tell you how to do that. All right, God's will for you to be sanctified. Colon. Here's how that you should avoid sexual immorality. Avoid it all together. Don't flirt with it. That each of you should learn how to control your own body. One of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Learn how to control your body. Well, I have these urges. Control them. All right? I would always ask teenagers, how many of you are potty trained? And they're like, I said, so you do have self-control. All right? Self-control. Paul says, here's how you do it. Avoid it altogether and learn how to have control of your own body in a way that is holy. That means I am set apart and for God. That in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. It's holy and honorable and not in passionate lust like the pagans, and the definition of that is that they don't, have, they don't have a relationship with God. All right, they don't have a relationship with God. Don't run around, let your hormones lead the way, and it's just passionate lust. Like those who don't even know God. 
So he's laying this out, and he's saying, put these lines up. Self-control. Don't act like a pagan with passionate lust. All right, learn how to control your own body. All, All these things. Then the next verse goes even a step farther away from that line. It says, and that you should not wrong or defraud anyone in this manner. In the area of temptation, in the area of of sexual passion and lust and desires, that you should not wrong or defraud anyone in this matter. He says, the Lord will punish all those, he's talking about his children, discipline all of those who commit such sins, sexual sins, as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Holy life. So th- this, this one word really helps us understand where the lines are. Not all the way up to the line of sexual immorality. It's way back here. That, this will help us to not even have a hint of that stuff, even avoid it altogether. So what does the word defraud mean? Defraud means gaining what is not yours by deception. Gaining what is not yours, and you're, you gain it by deception. When someone has an emotional affair, with somebody other than their spouse. They've just wronged their spouse. They just wronged their spouse because they're giving their heart to someone that they're not married to, someone they did not make a vow to. They made a vow to this spouse, this person. I'm giving you my heart. When we have an emotional affair, we're giving our heart to someone else. That wrongs your spouse. It also defrauds that person because you're giving them something that is not theirs and you're deceiving them that it's your right to give your heart away to them. So what they are receiving is not theirs. It doesn't belong to them. And they're gaining it by deception. Like, I can't really talk to my spouse about this, so I need to tell you about that. As soon as you have that conversation, you're on the path to emotional affair. Because I'm not confiding, I'm hiding. And I'm telling it to someone else. See where that line is way back here? Oh, but we, we never had sex. No, you just defra- you wronged and defrauded. When you're dating someone, when you're with someone and you arouse them sexually, you are wronging your spouse, you're wronging your future spouse, and you're defrauding them because you are arousing them sexually in a way that the only biblical fulfillment of that is for the spouse, the biblical husband and wife, is to fulfill that arousal. So when we're touching places we shouldn't touch, we're doing things we shouldn't do, you're like, but we didn't have sex. Hold on. You don't have to be crossing that line to be in sexual sin because you just wronged your spouse or your future spouse, 
and you have just defrauded them by arousing what does not belong to them that you are not to fulfill. Pornography is a massive problem, male and female. Female rates of engaging in pornography are skyrocketing. It's a human problem. Porn is obviously passionate lust, out-of-control lust. But if you're engaging in pornography, you are not only up to this line, but biblically speaking, you have crossed the line of sexual immorality. Why? Because the very word for sexual immorality, it's all-encompassing. The word for that is pornea. It's where we get the word pornography from. But, but I never had sex on the, with, with this person. Right, because you saw it on your, on your phone, on your TV. But in God's eyes, you've crossed the moral line. Maybe you've never been told this before. I'm saying this. Hopefully you receive it in love. Because the last thing I want you to have is a horrible intimacy life. But pornography will destroy that faster than anything. Actually removes your desire away from your spouse. And you start fulfilling sexual arousal yourself. That is wronging your spouse or your future spouse. And you're defrauding yourself. You're gaining something that you should not be gaining in that way. And you're deceiving yourself like it's not that big of a deal. Hey, at least I'm not having sex with someone else. No, you're wronging your spouse, your future spouse, but you're defrauding yourself. Because you actually deceive yourself that whatever you're watching, whatever you're reading, is that they have affection towards you. I mean, that is like mental delusion. And that's a tool of Satan. So the line is already crossed with pornography. So you have to make a vow. I promise to confide in you, not to hide from you. Why? Because secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. So let me finish with this for your notes. To have what few people have, you must do what few people do. In our culture today, few people, few couples have a pure, life-giving, God-honoring, healthy marriage. And I, I guarantee you that those who have that, they are not immune to temptation. They face temptation, but they do things to avoid it, to not even have a hint of it, to run from it. So to have what few people have, you must choose to do what few people do. It's hard. But on the other side of that, there is beauty, there is freedom. Not only in your heart of hearts and your soul and with your spouse or future spouse, but with your God. I'm going to walk through a list that I wrote down. What, is, what does it look like to do what few people do to have what pe- few people have? One, admit you have a sin problem. 
I have a sin problem. Until you're sick of your sin, you won't do anything about it. Are you sick enough of your sin to say, I need to make changes? Well, you got to admit you have a problem. You have a sin problem. Now you have to, the second thing is you need to take major steps of repentance. Not just acknowledging, I have a problem. I want, I cross those lines all the time. That's humility, all right? That's asking God for forgiveness. Repentance is I'm going to go in the opposite direction. What are some of those steps? You got to come clean to the right person, not sharing this with your life group. No, go to the right person and say, I have sinned against God and I've sinned against you. I've asked God to forgive me and I'm asking you to forgive me for sinning against you. Another step, major step, is to break off any unhealthy relationship. Break it off. Okay, yeah, I work with you, but I cannot do projects with you again. Uh, and take it on, have ownership yourself. I have a problem. I have done this, and please forgive me, but I got to go a different direction. If they're online, get off of that. Break it off completely. Cancel subscriptions, channels, apps, etc., that feed your temptation. Like, oh, that's radical. Absolutely. That's the only way you're going to have freedom. And peace and intimacy is I, you got to take some major steps. I'm going to cancel. I'm not going to have those TVs, uh, t- TV uh, uh, channels in my house. I'm not going to have this, these apps on my phone. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. This subscription, you can start deleting, canceling like crazy. You start giving your password, password and let them have access to anything that you check on and, and all your devices. Why? Because you're making major changes. Um, you're like, uh, but everything's on my phone. I need my phone. Okay, then how's this? Transition and purchase a dumb phone so that you can make a smart decision moving forward. Okay, our smartphones have been a major tool of the enemy to, to put us in bondage, sexual bondage. So take the big step of you have a phone so you can call you know, for emergency or whatever, but have a dumb phone so that you can be smarter in your decisions. Register all your devices with CovenantEyes.com. Covenant Eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at someone else, Job says. CovenantEyes.com. Register all your devices so that someone that you know loves you enough to confront you will have access every week. They'll have a, a reading of any, any, red, any red flags of any uh, places online that you should not have gone to. Because we may be dumb, but you're not, we're not stupid. Okay, if we know someone will know what, where we've been, we'll make better decisions. And as some of you need, when you're going to say, okay, I, I've been hiding from my spouse for a while now, and I'm tired of it. And I want freedom. I want purity. I want peace. Probably need to go see a counselor who can walk with you because it will be hard It'll get worse before it gets better. But you have to go through that. You're going to go from darkness into the light. But you need someone to walk with you. We have some counselors, accredited counselors um, in in the notes uh, that you have today. Uh, If you're listening online, um, call the church office. You don't have to talk to me. 
Call the church office. They'll give you a list, email you a list. I'm closing with this. The last thing Satan wants in your life, in your relationship, is purity. Because he knows if I can rob them of purity, I, I, for Christians, I can't keep them out of heaven. So I want them to taste a, a taste a bit of hell. So I'm going to take your purity away. And he'll tempt us, allure us, he'll make it appeasing and um, appealing and all that. Because if it wasn't, it's not tempting. But Satan will never show us the price tag until after we make the purchase. We, ex we, we experience the purchase. Once we purchase it, then he'll show us the price tag in time, and it's always more expensive than we can afford. He's a punk. Absolute punk. He's a liar. He's a schemer. And he's going to try to rob you of freedom at every turn. But God... But God is in the business of forgiveness, the business of restoration, and the forgiveness of reconciliation. You may think it's absolutely impossible if I share this with my spouse, uh, it, will, it will just it will blow up. It may. But God will walk with you, and you're going to have his strength, his power, not your own, because you have none. I have none. But God, but God. Starts with humility, and it has to have repentance to gain freedom in this area. I vow, vow that I'm not, I'm, I'm going to confide in my spouse and not hide from them. Because you think you may be even hiding from God. Oh, no, he sees everything. But he wants you to walk in the light and the freedom found therein. I say all of this because I love you. I don't know all your junk. If I did, I'd probably quit. But I love you enough to be honest and tell you God's truth, God's lines, and they're there because he loves us and he's trying to protect us. Would you pray with me? God, we just jumped in to the deep end of real issues that cause real problems in every relationship. So to God, I pray that teaching your truth from your word, instructions, very clear instructions, as hard as they are to apply, they produce freedom and peace and joy. So, Lord, take your truth. I pray that those that you are talking to, they would humble themselves and then repent and take the steps necessary to walk to freedom. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.